One quick note. This podcast was recorded several weeks ago and was supposed to be released following our Hope for Cancer episode. As you can tell, that didn't happen because of scheduling issues. So when you hear Marilyn say last week's episode, please understand that she is probably not referring to the episode you last listened to. Thank you and enjoy the episode. We hope you're encouraged. Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. It is my passion to encourage young moms. I love to give you tips and tools to make your journey easier. Thanks for joining us today. If you remember last week, if you watched the podcast, I talked about my personal journey with alternative cancer treatment, and I mentioned my experience with my son, Josh. So today, um, I thought I would give you a little bit more information about that in hopes that it might encourage you if you're going through a similar situation or know somebody who might be. So before we get started, let me remind you, you can access our podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, or multiple other platforms. Thanks for joining us. And let me just say, God is always good. You know, God sees the big picture and we're so limited in our understanding of life. I know this with all my heart, that God only allows things to happen to us that conform us to his image and that work for the ultimate good. And although this experience was extremely crushing to go through, I know that God views all that happens to us in the light of eternity. And that's what I hope I can help you to see today. You know, my son Josh was my fourth son. He He had a lot of goals in mind. He wanted to start a lawn care business. He started that. He was 17 years old. He'd just gotten his license. He bought a truck. Um, He had a lot of customers who loved him. He would take his little brother with him to do estimates and things. And then all of a sudden he started getting really bad headaches. This was in July of 97, 96, July of 96. He started getting headaches and we took him to the doctor and they thought, oh, it must be some sinus problems. So they gave him an antibiotic and we went home and The headaches kept getting worse, and sometimes it got so bad that he had to just stop what he was doing, and I'd see him, like, sitting down holding his head. Um, And then one day, we had a bad storm, and all over town, people's basements were flooding. The water was just coming in through the walls. That happened to us, too, and we were all down there with wet dry vacs, vacuuming up that water. And I walked upstairs, and Josh was sitting down, and he said, Mom, I just can't help. He said, I feel so bad about it, but my headache is really bad. So we got in the car and took him to the doctor, and they drew blood, and they said, "Um, it looks like this might be a case of mono, a really bad case of mono, but go home and rest during the weekend, and we'll give you a call on Monday when the blood works back. So we did that. And it was about 11.15 on a warm, sunny September morning when my telephone rang. And it was the doctor's office. And he said he had some news for me and perhaps I'd better sit down. I told him I was sitting. He said Josh's test results had come back. And it appeared that he tested positive for leukemia. And wow, I mean, I didn't know what to say. I'd heard leukemia, but I didn't have a whole lot of experience in what it actually was. I knew it was a cancer of the blood. 
So anyway, we were supposed to, he'd scheduled us to go to an oncologist's office that afternoon. And um, I remember Rick was working, my husband Rick was working not too far from here. And I went and I told him and he came home and I thought, how am I going to tell Josh? Josh was laying down in his room because his head was hurting. And I walked in and he said, Ma, just tell me what they said. Just tell me. I want to know what it is. So I told him that it was leukemia. And, you know, he took it very well. He, um, he said, well, what does this mean? I told him, I don't know. We've got to see the oncologist this afternoon. So we went in. We saw the oncologist. And his white blood count was way up in the 200s which is incredibly high, which is why he was having really bad headaches. So they said, we need to send you to this hospital, which was about an hour and a half from our home. We ne he needs to go right away. So Rick piled in the car. He took Josh up there, and they did a blood for rhesus. Like they, they took his blood and ran it through something to get rid of some of the white cells, and that immediately took care of the headaches. But it was scary. I mean, let me say it was really scary. I'd never had anyone in the family that had had cancer and it was just uncharted territory that we were going through. It was pretty overwhelming. Um, they put him on the pediatric unit. He was, had just turned 17. No, he was about to turn 17. He had just turned 17. So they put him on the pediatric unit, which ended up being a real blessing, um, in retrospect. So, boy, that began a seven-month adventure. Um, they told us to keep a suitcase packed, and whenever Josh would get a fever, we would have to rush him to the hospital because he could get sepsis right away. So anyway, they started him on chemo. I had never known anyone personally that had had chemo. It was rough. I mean, what can I say? It was really hard on Josh. He experienced a lot of the side effects of chemo, um, but his attitude was super. He was in the hospital, I think it was three weeks, and at the time I was nine months pregnant with my uh, 13th child, and it was rough. You know, I would go up there to be with him. He came home from his first round of chemo just a few days before my daughter was born. So he was actually at home here when I went in to the hospital to have my 13th child. Um, just kind of, he was experiencing some of the side effects of the chemo. And when the test results came back, it showed up that it was a very acute form of AML. Um, it seemed like whenever we would get news, um, you know, at first they told us he had 75% chance of survival, and then they did more tests and they found out it was this acute myeloid leukemia, and his chances went down. And then there are, I think they said 18 different kinds of acute myeloid leukemia, and it came back that his was pretty bad and pretty aggressive, and his chances went down even more. So they switched chemos, they did another round of chemo, and, um, you know, all kinds of side effects. He really had a hard time with the chemos. And then, of course, they give him um, drugs to counterbalance the side effects of the chemo. And it was a pretty rough experience. I mean, it really was. Um, 
the second round of chemo was completed and we found out that it had not worked either. And about that time, Josh got a fungal infection in his lung. And they said it's a common fungus that grows in Virginia. We live in the state of Virginia. It's found in leaves. And, you know, this was the fall of the year. They said it's everywhere, but it had settled in his lung. So he was going to have to have surgery to remove that fungal infection because they said if that fungal infection were to grow, which it could easily because his immune system was pretty much shot from his chemos, that it would be a really hard way to die if you died from a fungal infection. So we asked Josh, I mean, Josh made all the decisions with us. We never said we're doing this. We would have the doctors explain things and he helped make all the decisions. So he decided to have the surgery and they removed the fungal infection and it was very hard for him to recover from the surgery. Um, he was very weak. I don't know that he ever really regained his strength after that surgery. This was in February of 97 by the time he'd gone through the, I can't remember if it was two or three rounds of chemo that he had. Um, so anyway, he was a candidate for having a bone marrow transplant and they prepared us for that. We went so far as to get containers of food because we would have to make all his food and take it up to him. Um, they ran blood tests on all our other 12 kids at the time it was 12 more kids and they found out that my son Matt was the perfect match and they said with all those kids you're bound to have a perfect match and Matt was the only one so they started putting Matt on iron to build up his system because they would have to remove um, bone marrow from Matt to put it into Josh for the bone marrow transplant and they were teaching us what to expect from a bone marrow transplant it was wow a lot to learn you know our minds just felt like we were flooded with information we kind of wished we'd never known it was it was a pretty overwhelming experience Kelly was born in between Josh's first and second round of chemo and I would take a pack and play and the diaper bag and all the things I needed for Kelly plus things that I, that Josh wanted things to read or whatever up there with me every day to be with him all day and it was a challenge um, you know I had this brand new baby and I would take one of my daughters one was just nine years old but she was extremely competent and she would watch little Kelly while we were talking with doctors we'd have lots of doctors conferences lots of explaining you know our little brains that were not medically acclimated we had so much information that had to go in and out um, so around his third round of chemo, Josh just had a lot of trouble sleeping. So I started spending the night with him up there in the hospital. And Kelly would stay with me because I was nursing her. And I usually kept one of my other daughters up there with me. Um, my oldest daughter was home taking care of the kids along with my husband, Rick. Rick was at the hospital a lot. He had to be, you know, to talk to doctors and all that. So he was kind of in and out. And Kate and so many of our friends were here helping with the kids and bringing meals. We had just wonderful support. People would bring meals for seven months. I mean, people just constantly brought meals to my kids and, and fun things for them to do while I was gone. I was pretty much out of commission because I was with Josh. When he was home, I was here. When he was in the hospital, I was there. Um, 
so anyway, they prepared Matt. We got ready after the third round of chemo for the bone marrow transplant. They were just opening a bone marrow unit at this hospital, and they were kind of excited to have their first patient. So the day before he was supposed to get the bone marrow transplant, we went into the clinic up there, and they did another blood test, and they came back. They didn't come in our room for a long time. We wondered what in the world is going on. We felt like we'd been there all afternoon. When they walked in, they looked kind of glum, and they said, we hate to tell you this, but he is not in remission. We cannot do the bone marrow transplant. So we were just, you know, what do we do now? Um, I remember when the doctor came in to tell Josh. He said, Josh, nothing's working. Um, we can't do the bone marrow transplant. And Josh looked at him, and he said, Doc, it must be really hard for you to tell patients, things like that. And the doctor teared up. He got teary-eyed. He told us later how much it affected him because Josh just had such a super attitude throughout this whole thing. He, um, he was interviewed by our local newspaper because they heard about, we, were ha we had 13 kids and a son with leukemia. So they came and did an interview and Josh gave a real clear testimony it, during that interview and then that afternoon he got a fever we had to rush him back up to the hospital and he said mom I really think God wanted me to do that interview and as it turned out he heard from local people who had read that interview later one man uh, wrote to him and he talked to him about his salvation it just made such an impact on so many people and Josh said mom I think God just held off with that fever long enough so that I could do that interview his attitude was just super. People would go up to visit him and they'd say, I was so apprehensive going to visit him. I didn't know what I would say, but Josh knew what to say. He would talk to them and make them feel comfortable and he'd ask the nurses to get them drinks. And he just had a super attitude. As a matter of fact, he would do fun things like with the nurses, he would have a cake baking contest and he was the judge. So he'd have all the nurses bring him cakes. Another time he had them bring him a potato soup he said we're gonna have a potato soup conference or contest and who can make the creamiest cheesiest potato soup will win so the nurses all loved him um, everybody loved him his doctors his nurses people that would come visit him he had an incredible testimony throughout the whole thing he said mom I'm in a win-win situation either God's gonna heal me here or I'm going to be healed in heaven. And he told the newspaper that, and he believed that with all his heart. And we had people, we heard from people in every single state in this United States and 14 different countries, people that were praying for him. There were some people that did a 24-hour prayer chain, and people signed up to pray for him around the clock. There were missionaries in other countries that were having their people pray for him. And, you know, we knew beyond the shadow of a doubt God could have healed Josh, but he chose not to. And, you know, Josh, I remember him telling his friend just shortly before he went to heaven, he said, James, I'm not afraid to die, but I'm really tired of the suffering. And um, there was so much suffering due to all the chemos and everything. But his testimony just shone. And he had such a heart to help people. The night before he died, he asked his brother Nate to help him get to his feet. His feet were swollen. 
and Nate said, why, Josh? What do you need to do? And he kind of was not real clear-headed, so he wasn't really aware. But he said, Nate, I need to help Mom. And that was just his heart. You know, he wanted to help me. He was concerned about me. He made a little video, and he thanked the people in our church for helping his mom and his dad and his family through this whole time. He just had a heart of thankfulness and gratefulness, and he knew that God is good and that God only does what is good. So it was a Saturday morning. I, the last month or so, I would sleep on the couch to be right near him. He slept in the recliner in the living room because it was hard for him to lie down, um, you know, in a bed. So I would sleep in the living room. And around 8 o'clock in the morning, he uh, called me over to him. And he said, Dad. I said, you want Dad? And he, he nodded his head. So I went and woke his dad up. And they kind of told us that he was nearing the end. So his dad started reading to him from John 17. And it was just a comfort to him. Um, and he just right there in his recliner, he went home to be with the Lord. And um, it had been seven-month struggle. I was thankful for Josh that he was home in heaven. But I missed him. You know, we really, we all missed him. Oh, it was John 14 he was reading to him about there are many mansions in heaven I'm going to prepare you a place um, but you know we heard we did a memorial service several days later we had family fly in but we heard from so many people that Josh's testimony had affected them we had people share at the memorial service we heard that there were 14 people we knew of 14 people who were saved during the time Josh was sick because of his testimony. Um, there was someone who was at the memorial service who was not living for the Lord, and she told us later, she said, when I heard all those people sharing about Josh being a 17-year-old and how he had affected their lives and impacted them, she said, I repented of my sin because I sat there thinking, what would people say about me if I died today? They wouldn't be saying what they're saying about him. We heard of marriages that were kind of put back together because um, the husband and wife started praying for Josh on a regular basis. Um, our church has a Christian school. We know of, I think there were three kids that got saved either during the time Josh was sick, but I think it was after he died. They had been praying for him. They'd written letters to him, and they were, like, crushed when he died, and their teachers would deal with them and they ended up getting saved as a result of that. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people say, don't ask why, but I don't really believe that. I asked God, I said, God, I know that you allowed this to happen. I know you are good. Show me some reasons why. Show me how I can use this for good. I don't want Josh's suffering to be wasted. I don't want this experience to be wasted. Please show me how I can use it good and God showed me so many ways he showed me all these things I just told you our church kind of one of our pastors said our church came closer together because the whole church was bonded uh, Josh was a servant I mean everybody knew Josh he was an usher he helped people there was an elderly couple that he stopped to pump their gas while he was recovering from a chemo 
and it made such an impact on them. He went out and raked leaves for the youth group, the college group that was raising money to go on a missions trip. Now, Josh couldn't go on the missions trip at this point, but he helped rake leaves and, and earn money for them to go. He was just investing in others. He was loved by so many people, and his life and his death affected so many people. And, you know, I just think it's a privilege that God used his life to to affect good things in the lives of so many people he came in contact with. And who am I to get bitter and say, God, you can't use my son that way. You know, I was grateful that God chose those ways to use my son and to impact the lives of so many. We had people from several states that attended his memorial service. Um, you know, I could go on, I could probably go on an hour and tell you about all the letters we received, the people that were impacted by this situation. And, you know, Josh always wanted to be the first one in the family to do things from the time he was a little boy. And I know one day when I get to heaven, Josh is going to say, Ma, come on, I want to show you all around. Um, you know, heaven is true. It's real. And Josh is not dead. His body his physical body is dead but he's alive very much alive in heaven and he's waiting for the rest of the family to get there and he's going to show us around and we're going to be together for eternity it is true and if josh could say something to you or to people you know today it would be accept jesus christ as your savior that was what was on his heart that's what he told people that's what he lived for and that's what he died for and God used that situation for good in so many people's lives. And I kind of, I feel a real peace that God knew what he was doing. And he knew that Josh was the person to use for these purposes that he had to accomplish. And I am grateful for that. And I'm grateful that we're going to spend eternity for heaven. You know, when we get to eternity, our time on earth is going to seem like that. Um, so, you know, who... Satan likes to use things that we think are terrible to make us become bitter. But God wants to use those same things to make us better. And I can honestly say all my kids, my whole family, we are better people because of that experience. We did not homeschool during those seven months. There's no way we could. We were so involved with taking Josh to the hospital and ministering to him. But we got an education that we could never get any other way. And I am so grateful for that opportunity. It has made my kids more, you know, that verse, teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. It's made them more serious about life and more compassionate to other people. And Rick and I have been able to minister to multiple other families who have a child that has some kind of life-threatening disease. And it's been a blessing. There's so many blessings that have come out of this thing that at the time seemed really bad. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to take situations that seem impossible and seem terrible and turn them around for good and for his glory. I hope this has encouraged you today. You feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or if I can help you in any way. And you might want to refer back to my podcast last week because since 24 years ago when Josh went to heaven, we have found other ways to treat cancer besides the chemo that he went through. 
it's one of the things that kind of spurred me on to look for something else because he endured a lot of suffering. And there are other things going on in the world. So refer back to next week's podcast and you might be encouraged even more. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll see you next week.